let's jump into week number two of environment. Soil matters. Now, last week, the way I left you was I, I sent you home with a challenge to read Matthew chapter 13. If you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to get any of this. No, you're okay. We'll catch you up. Um, and I want you to ask the question as you're reading, is my soul growing? Is my soul prospering? Because what we saw last week is that we're designed to grow. And only one area that's called the not stop growing is your soul. And also, as Christ followers, nothing grows properly unless our soul grows properly. Unless we're connected to Christ in the right way, nothing else matters, right? If we, if we have it all together, we've got all the money in the world, but we're not connected to the King of Kings. If we're not going to spend our eternity with Him and we're going to spend it somewhere else, what's the point? You've got a few years of a, a little bit extra money. You've got a few years of a few a good relationships. But if you're connected, then all of that works out. All right. So in week number two, this week, my challenge that I'm going to leave you with, or, or really as you walk out of here, my prayer is that you are so convinced that you are called, anointed, and gifted by God, that when you walk out of here, you're so convinced of that, you'll do whatever it takes for God to bear fruit in your life, for your calling, your gift set, who you are, called by God, is willing to do whatever it takes to see God work in your life. That's my goal. Um, and so there's one type of soil that we read in Matthew chapter 13 this week that we all want to live up to, and it's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. It says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Our goal is to be that soil. That's the soil. The, the illustration that's used in this parable is that there are four types of soil. The first one is the hard ground, doesn't understand the Word of God, doesn't hear it, doesn't know what's going on. The second one is the rocky ground. The third one is the thorny ground. And then there's this one. Then there's the good soil. That's, that's the goal of where we're called to be. Now the first one, the hard ground, it says there's kind of a dichotomy between the first and the fourth. And there's a sandwich in the meat, meaning like it uses the same phrasing on both ends. And it says on the hard path, they didn't understand this, this one phrase that's kind of unique is the word of the kingdom. It says that the, the, the person who has threw soil at the seed out and it's saying that God is throwing seed and that seed is represented by the word of the kingdom. He's saying the first soil, the hard path, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. But this one in Matthew 23 gets it, like understands it. So today, I want you to leave understanding the word of the kingdom. Now, that's kind of a unique phrasing, and the word of the kingdom would have been really contentious. It would have been really frustrating for the Jewish people of their day to hear the word of the kingdom, which is essentially this. It's two parts. The first part is this, that I, I've come for everybody. I'm, I'm calling from the rooftops. I'm shouting. I'm inviting everybody in to come to, to, to know God. I'm making a way for them to know God. Right? For them, that's offensive because they're the Jews. They're, they're special. They're unique. They're anointed by God. They're called by God. They have a special bloodline. He's saying, no, no. I'm not, that, the word of the kingdom is, I'm not just doing it by bloodline. I'm doing it by call. Meaning, I'm calling everybody, and those who choose to listen are going to be in. There's a secondary part to that that shows up in this, in this verse, in 23, where it bears fruit. The second part of that is that you are called to produce. So first you're called to be in the kingdom, be saved, get to go to eternity with Jesus. But secondarily to that is you're called to be used by God. You, you're not just called and, and something's placed inside of your heart that says you're set free from your sin and your guilt and your shame. You're also called to go out and make disciples. You're called to go out and reproduce the word that was inside of you, sometimes 100, sometimes 60, and sometimes 30 times what was placed inside of you. We're not just called to be saved. We're called to reproduce 
We're called to let other people know about the first thing, about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, that it doesn't matter who you were born to, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, that God is calling. The question is, are you listening? And do you understand it? What I would venture to bet is that, you know, most of you uh, understand the first one, right? If you're here, you probably received it enough to not be uh, to, to not be in the, in the really hard path where you don't understand anything, right? There might be one or two of you that are in here that somebody drug you. You're like, I don't care to be here. I don't like none of y'all. You, I'm, I'm sick of these high fives. I'm sick of people being happy. I'm just here because someone was going to give me a free lunch or there's a cute girl I'm chasing. Whatever it is for you, you don't want to hear nothing I got to say. You're just here because someone drug you. You ain't hearing nothing. That's maybe one of you possibly in here. The majority of you understand something. You've received some of the word. The question is, is it going to bear fruit? And the, the, the difference between understanding it a little bit, getting a little bit, and bearing fruit is understanding the Word. Meaning, you understand both things, that I am saved by the grace of God. Nothing I could have done could have ever got me here. And I'm called in the kingdom of God to do something. See, most of us fall in that category where we struggle with that second thing. We struggle on that second thing to be like, well, God, God can save people and God can use some people. <laughs> I just don't know if it can be me, okay? Like, I'm so happy that Jared can preach and he's up there speaking, but I'm not a public speaker, so it ain't me. And I love that Trevor and Ashley and Brandy and Hannah, they can sing. That's fantastic. Stephen can play the guitar. T. Good on the drums. All of them, man, I'm so excited for their calling, but I can't play or sing. But so God, God, God's probably not going to use me. Like, I'm not, I'm not qualified. And I get it. Here's the thing. I get it. I get that because in Scripture we see even people who are right next to Jesus have that same struggle. Right? Even, even people who are right next to Jesus have the same struggle. But what I want you to get is that if you're called, if, if you believe what I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you today and you understand it fully, you'll recognize that your call is too big to let anything get in the way. If you believe me, and when I'm saying you are called, no matter your gift set, no matter your past, no matter what you've gone, through, you've gone through, no matter what parents you were born to, no matter what your mom and daddy told you, you are called by God if you'll listen. If you'll hear it, receive it, and live it out. If you'll do whatever it takes to answer the call and walk it out. So, like I said, most of us fall under a category like Peter. He's a disciple of Jesus, following Jesus, Man, he believes Jesus can call him because he's following him. But there's this moment where we see that he can't, he can't jump over to the second thing. We're like, you can use me. Like, I can do what I'm supposed to do. Because in, 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 uh, what's interesting is that you hear this story, and then right there in Matthew 14, the next chapter after Matthew 13, you see Peter struggle with this very thing, understanding the word of the kingdom, understanding the call of God on his life. And what happens is all the disciples are out on a boat. It's storming. It's crazy. They're scared. They see something. Is it a ghost? I don't know if it's a ghost. It looks like Jesus. Probably Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Yeah, it's me. If it's you, call me to walk out on the water like you're walking on the water. Like, first off, I don't know why you thought you could just walk on water. But okay, he had the guts. Peter had the guts to ask for it. And Jesus is like, no, it's me, Peter. Walk on the water. Come on out to me. So Peter does it. I know. The story gets crazy. He actually steps out of the boat. Rocky seas moving along. They're fishermen. So they've been in rocky seas, so they know what to be scared of and what not to be scared of. He gets, starts walking on water, looks at Jesus, then looks at the waves, and is like, oh, I'm a fisherman. I know I'm supposed to be scared. Starts to sink. Peter starts to sink after taking a step and actually doing what God had called him to do. 
but then sees the surroundings that he's around and sinks. And he says, Lord, save me. Jesus picks him up, gets back on the boat, and he says, why, why did you doubt? You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, what's interesting about that, which most of us fall in this category, what's interesting about that is, is you don't, it's not Peter doubting that Jesus can walk on the water. Nothing about that story is Peter looking and be like, I don't think you can walk on water. Everything about his doubt was about whether or not he could walk on water. Whether or not Jesus could call him to walk on water and he could fulfill the call of God on his life to walk on the water that Jesus told him to do. Yet most of us read initially just like I did where it's like, oh yeah, you were doubting God. No, no, Peter was doubting that God could use him. He didn't doubt that God could save people. He didn't doubt that God could walk on water. He just doubted that God could use him. And for many of you, you're in here and you get the first one. Like, no, God can do big things. He can do big things through Billy Graham. He can do big things through Craig Rochelle. But I mean, I'm just not, that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not who, and Jesus is saying, no, if, if I called you, I'm big enough to take care of your call. I, I want to say it like this if you're taking notes. If God has called us, then God is enough to make it happen. If God has called us, then God is big enough to make it happen. See, indirectly, we're calling God a liar. When we, when we say, oh, I hear your voice, and I know you've placed something on my heart, and I, but no, nah, not me. I, I hear your voice and I know that Scripture tells me that I'm called and that I'm called to make disciples. I hear your voice and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm anointed in the area that I'm at, that I'm supposed to be the spouse that you've called me to be, the parent you've called me to be, the business owner you've called me to be, the employee you've called me to be. I hear your voice to know that I'm supposed to do it, but I can't do it. See, we think we're doubting ourselves, but really we're doubting the God who called us. And, and so for some of us, to take, to really produce what God has called us to produce, we're going to have to trust God at His Word. That despite my, my bloodline, despite who I was born to, d- despite my past, despite my mental struggles, my emotional struggles, despite everything else in my life, if God called me, I'm going. That the call is big enough that I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Now, imagine if Peter never got that. Imagine if Peter, see, see, we see Peter hearing the parable, not getting the parable, and then continuing to do it again. Like denies Jesus three times, keeps messing up, but something switches in Peter. And at one point, he not only hears the word of the kingdom, but he understands it. He, Jesus is like, feed my sheep. No, 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 just feed my sheep. No, 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 feed my sheep. Do, do what I've called you to do. Hold, nope. Do what I've called you to do. I, I don't need your excuses. I just need you to do what I've called you to do. And it clicks for him. Something shifts inside of him, and Peter's a different guy. You see Peter being the guy that leads 3,000 people to come to know Jesus and get saved for eternity. Peter, Peter, who saw Jesus heal people, he's walking along and sees a guy crippled, and the guy's like, hey, you got any money? He's like, no, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have you can have. Get up and walk. Because something shifted in him to say, it's not about me or if I'm good enough or I'm strong enough. It's about the God who called me. So if in this moment I'm called to let you walk, let's walk. Wasn't about me or my call or my gift set. It was about God's call on my life and who he called me to be. And for some of you, you still think, even while I'm saying this, well, that's cool for Peter. Good for Peter. Whoopity do, Peter. I'm not Peter. Jesus ain't never said, on this rock I'll build my church. I'm just here, and you're lucky I'm here because I barely made it today. And I'm saying, no, 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 you're here on purpose. 
And God has called you to be a part of the body of Christ. And your calling is no less important than Peter's calling. Your calling is no less important than Billy Graham's calling. Your calling is no less important than Craig Rochelle. Because there's, there's a whole bunch of people in our community who are waiting on you to bear fruit and reflect the light of Christ in their lives. There are a whole bunch of people you're going to interact with, and you may never get to see it. You may never get to see the fruit that you bore just by representing Jesus well. I, got, I actually got to see one this week. It's actually your fruit as well. There's a lady that works down the road at a restaurant, and we've invited her to church. And every time we go in there, like, I didn't even really get a chance to invite her to church because she's like, you're that pastor from the church down the road? Like, yeah, yeah. She's like, your people always invite me, and they're always so nice. So you can pat yourself on the back. Good job. Church people are not known to be nice at restaurants. I was like, that is awesome. I was like, that is awesome. Praise God. Friday night, we go to pick up food to go. And she says, hey, I need to tell you, I gave my life to Jesus. Come on, you guys can get excited about that. We got to just be a part of watering and part of planting because she didn't come here and raise her hand. She had a guy keep preaching the word to her and, and, and finally talk her into accepting Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. She said, look, I, I just need you to know that you guys played a part by shining your light. And I was like, okay, we have a call. Right? You, you didn't know that that invite and just being simply nice to a waitress and representing a church was going to be watering or planting a seed. You have a call of God on your life. And there are people like her that are missing it if you don't live it. That are not going to get to know Jesus because you're not bearing fruit. We're, we're, we're so determined that we're not good enough. We're willing to call God a liar and say, I'm not qualified. I can't do it. And God is saying, no, no, you need to trust me, not you. And if I said you can do it, you can do it. So go do it. And at the very least... At the very least, if you do nothing else in life and you only bear enough fruit that your spouse is convinced of the goodness of Jesus Christ or you have a child that's convinced of the goodness of Jesus Christ, that would be enough to live your whole life doing whatever it takes to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Luckily, that's not all you're called to. You're called to so much more. It's so much bigger than you could ever imagine. And until you grasp that, you're not going to be willing to do what it takes to bear the fruit God calls for you. Because it's, it's, it's actually kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult. It, it needs to be bigger than all the pain it takes to get there, is what I'm saying. The, the call of God to bear fruit is not simple. It's not easy. And sometimes we make it sound easy. It's not easy. It takes work and it takes sacrifice to bear the fruit. It's just that the sacrifice is worth it when you know how big the call is. When you know that somebody's going to spend eternity to Jesus because you reflected a light at a restaurant, it's worth it to do a little extra work, to pray a little harder before you get cranky in that restaurant, to pray a little harder as you're driving there so your head's right, to, to do a little extra work to get some things out of the way. And it describes the things that get in the way of our garden, of our environment. The things that get in the way of, our, uh, of bearing fruit is found in Matthew uh, chapter 13. It says the hard path, and like I said, you guys, most of you aren't here. The second one is the, the, the soil with rocks. In Matthew 13, it describes the soil with rocks, and he says, look, they get the word of the kingdom, and then trouble or persecution comes, and they're out. They're gone. They're done. They don't do it. And, and I don't think we're rocks. I don't think we have rocks in the American church currently. Maybe some of you do. Uh, very unlikely, because the word trouble or persecution is a really strong word. It's not just like, hey, they don't like me because I follow Jesus. We're talking about tribulation. That's the other word translated for that trouble and persecution. We're talking about tribulation, like your family is going to be murdered if you say Jesus is Lord. That's the kind of stuff that the rocks are taking place in the soil. And 
look, us not being able to have prayer in schools is not the same as persecution, okay? Us, us not getting our personal opinion of who should be elected, elected is not persecution, right? In, in the American church, we're not there yet. One day, maybe, but currently, I don't think it's persecution. What I do think that we have a problem with, that, that I have a problem with, that I have to wrestle with, is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, and that's the thorns. And it says this, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And see, uh, we struggle with that because I think, one, we have a lot of things to worry about. I mean, we make up things to worry about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, we, we create conspiracy theories so that we have something to worry about, right, as a, as a people. It, like, gives us some element of control if we can put our world in a certain element, understand it in a better way other than just people mess up. No, no, there's a conspiracy theory, and it's way worse than a thought. We, we, we create worries that don't exist. We, we talk about, I've, I've heard the old joke, old preacher joke, where it's like the, the lady's like, man, I'm so worried about all these things. And the pastor's like, listen, they say 80 or 90% of the things that you worry about don't happen. She's like, perfect, that's why I worry about them, so they don't happen. And I'm going to let that soak in for a minute. And that's really some of the reality. We create things to be worried about. We, and then we've got the deceitfulness of wealth where we think if we just make a little bit of money, it gives us some power, some control. We think we have control. COVID hits, and then we're really, really, really aware how little of control we have when a microscopic, unseen virus can shut down the economy. We're like, oh, okay, I'm not in as much control as I thought. The thing is, those things are comfortable. The thorns in our life, they feel good to be there first off, and, and they actually hurt to bring out. Right? If you're going to pull the thorns out of your soil, you're going to have to get some blood on your hands. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful to have some things in your life that feel good, that make you feel comfortable, that make you feel happy, that make you feel in power and control. It's going to, it might cost some blood. If you're taking notes, I want you to catch this. It won't be worth the pain of pulling thorns until you understand the size of your call. It's, it's, it's just not. Like, it's not worth it. It's really not. Like, it, if I didn't believe that I was called by God, I, my integrity would be really low. Like, if, if it were just get saved, I would just do bare minimum, right? Like, I'm just like, hey, I'm going to go to heaven. I just need it. What's the line, Jesus? Because that's just, I'm going to go to the line. I might, I might touch my toe over. If I'm honest with you, I'm a little bit rebellious as far as rules are concerned. So it's like, I mean, how, how much can I do? What's too far? What's too much in my life? What's inappropriate? What's just barely appropriate enough? You know what I'm saying? But if, if I believe that the call is big enough, I'm going to start, I'm just going to start, I, I don't care how much blood is on my hands, because it's, it matters enough. There are people that, that need to, to have the fruit that I'm called to produce. It matters enough to do whatever work, to get every weed out of my garden, to get every thorn out of my garden, even if it costs me. To, to pull the thorns, to do whatever it takes to get your garden to bear fruit. thing is about the thorns, and the thing that it doesn't uh, talk about with the thorns, is it's not, it's not necessarily saying sin. It's not saying that, that having worries in life is sin. It's not saying that having money is sin. It's some of the stuff that's in your life that, that is, is actually taking nutrients from the fruit you're called to produce, some of it's not even bad stuff. It starts out as a little seed, and it might not seem that bad. And then before you know it, it grows, and it starts to choke out who you're called to be and how you're called to live. 
I noticed a, a seed in my, in my soil this last week when I was doing what you were doing, where I was praying through Matthew chapter 13 and thinking through where, where are the thorns at in my soil and I want to have the right environment for you to grow. Uh, and, and I realized like several months ago, I put some boundaries on social media because I realized it was a, kind of a litmus test for if I was trying to distract myself rather than deal with problems. Like I just, I'm just going to scroll. Rather than address things and deal with things, I got decisions to make. I don't want to make them, so it's just distracting. So I put some boundaries and I was like, okay, I'm good. Because normally Facebook... It's not a comparison tool for me. I know for a lot of people, social media is a comparison tool. And you look and you're like, oh, I don't have that. Why don't I have that? i got to get that. And you scroll. And that's, that's a legitimate problem for a lot of people. And you got to put boundaries, get that thorn out. For me, I, it was kind of like so hidden and so tricky. I didn't realize that I, I was getting to a place where because I'm a curious person and because, well, if you talk to my wife, you'll know that I always want to be right. And because I'm curious and skeptical, I want to know what the truth is about everything. So every bit of fake news, I need to do like hours of research to find out if it's fake news or not, right? Every bit of conspiracy theory, I need to look up and to see whether it's valid or not. Everything that's going on with the politics, I want to know what the truth is. I want to know what the reality is. Who's the best candidate? Who's not? And I, I mentally was spending a lot of time thinking through all the things that I was reading and processing whether it was true. And because I spent so much time internally, don't, don't even get me started on theology and people I disagree with theologically, I'm internalizing all these things. I'm like, I'm spending a lot of, a lot of a mental and emotional space thinking about whether or not something's true rather than the mental and emotional space going to the call of God on my life to lead this church. Like, ah, oh, it's starting to become something that chokes out what God has called me to do. And, and the thing is, you may have a lot of that. You may have a lot of things that start, but here's what it says in James chapter 4, verse 17. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. See, there's a line where it becomes something that you recognize, oh, this isn't healthy. This isn't something that's supposed to be in my life. And when you know that you're not supposed to have it in your life and you choose to keep it anyways, James says it becomes sin. When, when you have some things going on around you that may not be sin for everybody else. Look, let's be honest. There are a lot of sins in Scripture that are black and white. We don't have to have a debate. I can just show you the verse and someone will argue it. And I'll be like, but the verse says. And they'll be like, but I, but I really want to do it. No, the verse says it's sin. So it's sin. We don't have to argue about those. But there are some things, just like James says, that, that for me it's sin even if it might not be for somebody else. A personal conviction that, that I know that, hey, I've got to put boundaries on Facebook. But yeah, but, but uh, there's a pastor down the road. He seems like he's doing fine not putting boundaries on, on Facebook. Oh, the, the mom down the road, she seems like she's doing fine on Instagram. I should be okay, so I don't need boundaries. No, it doesn't say if other people are doing it, then it's okay for you. It says if for you, you know you shouldn't do it. You know that you should do something, and you choose to leave it in your garden. You choose to not address it. Then for you, it becomes sin. Right? For some of you, it's like, yeah, but I know a good Christian guy, and he has a beer every once in a while. It should be fine. And you know good and well that you don't stop at one. You know good and well you can't just have one beer. You know good and well that you aren't that person, and so you've got to recognize that what is sin for me might not be sin for everybody else, that I've got to be aware of that. I can't judge them for, for what they're dealing with, but I've got to know what's in my garden. I've got to know what's in my soil and start pulling the weeds out because the call of God on my life is so important. It matters so much that I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes to bear fruit because there are people around me that need me to bear fruit. There's something I'm called to do and it's big enough to go through the pain of getting it out. Now, 
There's a story found in Genesis 39 that I think illustrates this the best. In Genesis chapter 39, we hear about a guy named Joseph. And leading up to this chapter, Joseph has actually been sold into slavery by his uh, brothers. His brothers were jealous of him because they knew he was the favorite of their father. And it's like, okay, that wasn't very good parenting in case you're wondering. You can have a favorite, just don't let your kids know that you have a favorite, okay? That's a, that's, that's a line that you don't want to cross. And they were jealous of him. He had a dream. And they were like, no, that's not going to happen. So they sold him into slavery to a guy named Potiphar. He, he sold into Potiphar's house. And Potiphar recognizes that Joseph is anointed. He's gifted. And he starts moving up the ranks. And in Potiphar's house, Joseph is like the top slave. I'm not saying you should enjoy being a slave. I'm not saying it's a fun role. But if you're going to be a slave, you might as well be the top slave, right? And he's, he's in charge of the whole house. Every slave in the house, he's got control. Of him. That's how much he's moved up. That's how gifted he was, how anointed he was. And a little bit wild through it, uh, Potiphar's wife starts to recognize Joseph. And I mean, like, when I say recognize, I mean, there's kids in the room. But you know what I'm saying? Like, recognize Joseph. She's like, you looking pretty? All right. I like that cloak. You looking fly. All right. That's not something anybody says anymore. Fly? How old am I? You're looking attractive to me, sir. Is something along the lines of what she's saying. And uh, Joseph says this, says this line that I think is, is one of the most profound lines. He's, he says to her in Genesis 39, he says, Look, I, your husband trusts me with everything in this house, except for you. How dare I do this wicked thing? A, a wicked thing against him? And how dare I sin against God? What? Joseph, you've been sold into slavery. You got every excuse to abandon God and do whatever you want, but he still trusted the call of God. He still understood who he was called to be, even in the midst of the storm, even when it was difficult, when it was like, you know what would be easier? Just to let this thing play out. You know what I'm saying? I got the house. I got the wife. I can do whatever I want now, right? But no, no, no. He's saying, I'm not going to sin against him, and I'm not going to sin against my God. Because the call of God on my life still exists, no matter what my circumstances dictate about me. My name's Joseph, and I'm called. And I'm anointed, so no thank you. No, ma'am, no thank you. Do your thing, right? She doesn't stop, though. Like, he tells her no very clearly, not going to happen. She doesn't stop. There's a continual pursuit of, of him in Genesis 39, continual pursuit, until one day she catches him where there's no other slaves around. Like, she's trying to entice him. He's like, no, nah, we're good. She catches him, and she's like, okay, this is my moment. And because nobody else is around, she grabs him by his cloak, and Joseph Leaves the cloak behind, okay? He left his clothes and took off running, right? Half-naked man just running down the street, left his cloak behind. He said, he said I, would, I would rather look like a fool in the streets than sin inside the dark. I would rather the world say that I look stupid and foolish and I should have done it different and know that I was true to the call of God on my life and I didn't sin against my God. I'll do whatever it takes. And for some of us, some of us, myself included, because I've been here, some of us are trying to get strong enough. Some of us in Joseph's scenario would have been like, okay, girl, you can have the cloak, but that's, not, that's it. That's the line. We ain't going no further. And it was like, all right, we can kiss on the cheek, but that's it. We ain't going no further. That's my, okay, a little bit more, right? Some of us would just think that we can just be strong enough to resist in the moment, and I'm telling you to run. I'm telling you that Scripture does not say that you'll ever be strong enough. There's nothing in Scripture that suggests your flesh all of a sudden gets saved. Your flesh is sinful, and your flesh wants all the wrong things, and you have to follow the Spirit, which means run. Run away from it. Get away from all the things that are going to take you away from the call of God on your life. Run, whatever it takes. If you have to look foolish to the world around you, the call of God is more important than how you look to the world around you. Run. You can't be strong enough. 
I remember one time I thought I, I was still in this kind of mindset where I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be holy, I can be in any environment, I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to do my thing, and I, I'm going to be so, I'm going to be good. And I, I actually went out into the woods, set up a tent, and just had bottles of water, and I fasted for like two or three days. And I came out, and I was like, see, I ain't going to sin no more. <laughs> I ain't going to sin no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm holy. Like, I thought, there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a scripture that talks about God's Shekinah glory. I just thought I was glowing with it. Like, nobody can touch me. Whole, this flesh is, is sin-proof now because I've been fasting. Literally within six hours, I was right back into the sin that I was trying to get out of because of the fast because I put myself in the wrong environment rather than recognizing, no, my flesh is the problem. Just stay away. Run from his wife. It's not your wife. Run away. So if you're taking notes, I want to say it this way. Don't focus on the sin. Focus on the environment that causes you to sin. Get out. Run. Whatever you got to do, Run. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not playing with you because there are people like, just like that lady down the road that need to know that there's a Jesus who loves them and they got a call in their life and it's dependent on you bearing the fruit. So it's worth it to run. Don't play any games with the thorns in your garden. Get out of the environment. Get the environment out of you that produces the sin because you're not going to be strong enough in your flesh. You're going to have to choose to follow the Spirit and stay in the environment. Let me give you some examples of what I mean by that. For some of you, uh, you, you, might, you might just need to look broke to the world around you and be okay with that. Like I'm, try, I'm talking about driving the hoopty, the beat-up vehicle, rather than get the nice vehicle, drive it and let the world know. I don't care. I look stupid. I look silly. I don't care. But I'm getting out of debt because the, the, the money has got my heart. And the debt is eating up the, the nutrients that my call deserves. So I'm going to downgrade. I'm going to look silly in my 1989 Honda Accord because those things are still running. And... I'm just going to drive it around, and I'm going to be good. And I'm not going to care what other people think because I'm running. Because it don't matter what I look like. Half naked running down the street don't, don't matter to me because I'm not going to sin against my God. I'm going to make sure that I, I, I fulfill the call he has for me. Some of you might need to uh, maybe go see a marriage counselor. And you're like, Jared, I don't need everybody to know my business. That, like, they're going to see me going to the therapist and know that we're fighting, that we got struggles. Hey, welcome. They're fighting too. They just ain't willing to admit it. Some of you need to be okay being faithful to the, the anointing you have as a spouse and have the hard conversation and be okay with everybody else judging you for it. Because you're being faithful and you're running from the perception of what everybody else thinks about you. It is worth it. It is worth it because your kids will be different. Your life will be different. You'll be healthier. And there will be people that can come to know Jesus now because you're bearing fruit. Some of you might, might maybe the, a little bit younger crew in here might need to skip the party. You're going to get the phone call. I guess y'all don't call each other anymore. You're going to get the text. And they're going to be like, hey, man, we're going over to so-and-so's house and be cool. Like, hey, I can't. Well, you don't got a drink? Just come kick it. It's fine. It's fine. Like, no, no, I can't. I'm called by God, and I can't be over there without drinking. I'm out. I can't be in that environment because I speak differently. I'm out. I can't, I, can't, I can't be in that environment because of what it produces in me for the next two days. I'm out. Because I'm going to run. I'm going to look foolish, half naked running down the street. She got my cloak. I don't care because I'm called by God, and that's more important than this one night and this one party. Some of you might need to take a step back in your career. Now, I know this is difficult. I know this might be hard to say, I'm not going to take that promotion, or I'm going to demote myself, or I'm going to switch jobs and take less pay because this job is producing fruit in, or soil and producing thorns in me that don't, aren't supposed to exist. This is not healthy for my marriage. It's not healthy for my kids. It's not healthy for my walk with Christ. I've got to change something so I'm not taking the promotion. I'll take less money and be called by God rather than take more money and not bear fruit. 
And I, I, know that's, I know it's difficult, and I know how difficult it is because I've heard two conversations in the last week from, from pastors, ministers of God, who are in a full-time vocation as a pastor, and they're saying, man, I, I, I'm not called to be here, but I can't take a step back. They're saying, I'm, I, I don't like the church I'm at. I'm not called to be at this church, but, but I, I can't take a step back in my career. I know how tempting it is, even as a pastor, to let thorns grow up in your soil, so much so that you're willing to call your calling a career. Because pastor, you're not, you don't have a career, you have a calling. And just in case you thought that was just about pastors, you don't have a career, you have a calling. You're called by God. You, you, you as a spouse, as a parent, as a child of God, is far more important than any amount of money you can make or any promotion you can get or any title you can get. So in case you're wondering, you have a calling more than you have a career. So if it takes a t- step back to have that soul growth, do it. Do whatever it takes. Some of us, some of us might, need to, might need to switch to a flip phone. You're going to flip that thing up. It's way more fun to hang up on somebody on a flip phone anyways. But you're going to flip that thing up. And you're going to T9 text them. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, T9. Just da-da-da-da-da. you got to three-click it. you got, you, you got to shake your thumb off because it hurts. Some of you may be looking through social media, and you can't stop. You can't. You've deleted it once, and you keep adding it back. You, you kept trying to get rid of it, and you kept trying to compare yourself to everybody else. And you, you can't stop. You can't stop yourself. You shouldn't need to. Just get rid of the, just get rid of the thing that causes the sin. Run. Everybody be like, you got a flip phone. What's wrong with you? I'm called by God. That's what's wrong with me. I ain't called to look good. I'm called to run half naked down the street if I have to, to fulfill the call of God on my life, to bear the fruit that he has for me. Some, some of us are going to have to have that flip phone because there's some images that we keep going back to. There's some images we, kept, we keep looking up and we can't stop looking. And as much as we turned it off, it's still available on Safari. It's still available on Google Chrome. I still keep, I st- keep searching on that day when I'm struggling, I'm down, I keep looking it up and I need to stop. You know what? That old snake game that moves around, you ain't got no problems with that because it ain't going to bring up any images whatsoever other than a bunch of dots. You're going to be safe. And some of you need to recognize that your calling is so important. Your gift is so important. The people you're called to affect in your life matter so much. Do whatever it takes to pull the weeds out. Change everything in your life to make sure that God bears fruit in your life because you heard Him and you understood Him. You heard the word of the kingdom and you understood the word of the kingdom meant if I'm called to walk on water, I'll walk on water. If I'm called to be the spouse I'm called to be, I'll be it. I'll called to be the parent I'm called to be, I'm going to be it. Wherever I'm called to be, that's where I want to be because it matters too much to let a few thorns mess up the fruits that I'm called to bear. Let's pray. God, I thank you for people who are willing to take a challenge that I'm going to give them in advance. I thank you for the boldness and the strength to pull whatever weeds and the blood that it might cost. If you're in here and you're saying, Jared, this week, I want God to show me the areas where there's seeds or thorns that are coming up. And I want him to give me the courage and the boldness to pull them out. To do whatever it takes to look foolish to the world around me. I don't care. I'll run. I will run because the calling matters too much. If you're willing to have God speak to you in that way this week, you're willing to take that challenge, would you raise your hand? Come on, hands going up all over. It's a bold challenge. Come on. For those hands, God, I pray that those individuals would, would hear your voice clearly this week and have no doubt where the thorns are. They wouldn't have to question whether that was a seed that was supposed to be a thorn and they, they pull it right out. They don't give it life. They don't give it nutrients. God, and whatever sacrifices they got to make, God, I pray that they would keep their eyes on the prize of the calling of God on their life, so much so they're willing to do whatever it takes, run any race 
to adjust every environment in their life so that they can do what you've called them to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's others of you who might be recognizing in this moment that you've you've never answered the call initially. Like you've never answered the call where God said, I've got more for you. I I don't care about your past. I don't care about your bloodline. I don't care who you think you are. I'm out on the highways and the byways shouting, come in, come in and eat with me. Come in and dine with me. Maybe you've never answered the call where he said, you don't have to be enough on your own. I made a way. You don't have to pay a ticket price for this banquet hall. I've already paid it for you. I just need you to answer the call to come in and dine with me. And what that means is this. It means that you, if you're willing to make that commitment today, what you're saying is, no matter my past, I'm getting rid of it, and I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. Because the word of the kingdom has now reached my ears, and I understand that God loves me, and he made a way for me when I wasn't deserving, when I couldn't have made a way for myself. And you're going to answer that call, and you're going to believe that that call is real, because he spoke it to your heart in this moment, in this season. And today, you're going to choose to follow him with your life.